Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. Progressive presents Forced Metaphors about bundling your home auto and other vehicles. In hockey, it's the goalie's job to protect the net. And in life, your net is your home and auto, but also your boat, motorcycle, RV, or ATV. And your goalie is the -the round-the-clock protection offered by Progressive Insurance. Well, it's also the savings you get when you bundle. So in this metaphor, you have two goalies, which is okay because, you know, it's just a metaphor. Forced Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Stacking the Box. It is week seven in the NFL. It feels like it flies by faster and faster each year. Thanks for joining us again. I am Matt Verderam alongside Josh Hill, and we have a special guest today, Old Man Verderam, Lance Verderam, joining the program. And so he will help us break down the NFL and especially get into the team that we both grew up rooting for and I was forced to root for, the Kansas City Chiefs. So uh, first off... Week six in the books, except for the Monday night game, recording this on the Monday before the game, the Colts at the Titans, Titans favored by a touchdown, but we'll leave that at that. Uh, As always, we start off, Josh, what did you take away from the Sunday that was? Uh, I mean, the biggest takeaway, obviously, is Aaron Rodgers to me and how the Packers are just absolutely, you know, closing the casket on them now (laughs) because it's it's done. But yeah, really anything other than that, I mean, Jameis Winston got hurt and all that kind of stuff and we saw some good games. But everything begins and ends with Aaron Rodgers because that, to me, shifts the entire picture in the NFC and pretty much in the entire NFL, too, because now teams in the AFC, if they get to the Super Bowl, don't have to worry about Aaron Rodgers. It's, it's, it's a big deal. The ripple effects are pretty wide-ranging. Yeah, they went from being a potential one seed to probably not making the playoffs, dependent yeah. upon when he comes back. But now there are reports that he may not come back at all. No. And if he doesn't come back during the season, it's pretty impossible to see them making the playoffs. Oh, yeah. um, you know, but... Uh, that I'll, I'll turn to you. What, what did you see on Sunday? What did you see happen that caught your eye? Well, obviously, we watched the Chiefs game, and uh, that was a pretty rough game to watch. I give Pittsburgh a lot of credit. Uh, they played well. They're a tough matchup for Kansas City. It's the one team that, as a Chief fan, would scare me the most come playoff time. I think this year the Chiefs are a better team than Pittsburgh, uh, but I give them credit. For some reason, they, they do have the Chiefs number, and they play very aggressive and well, even in Arrowhead. Um, the other thing I would take away also in the same division is the Raiders are definitely not the team everybody thought they were going to be. I thought they were going to have a tough time this year. I never really liked them defensively, as I've heard both of you speak about uh, in other podcasts. But um, they have a, a long road to go here, I think. And uh, I don't know how they're going to straighten that out. Well, actually, that works as a perfect segue. Because anyone who listens knows we always start with the third. Chiefs beat Pittsburgh. Because now the Chiefs are going to come in with plenty of motivation, not wanting to lose two in a row, and really knowing that if they win this game, the Raiders are in the rearview mirror for good. So I'll start off. I think the Chiefs are going to win this game. Uh, I think the Chiefs are better than them. I think Oakland is worse than Pittsburgh in every area. They're not as good defensively. The Raiders don't have an Antonio Brown. Derek Carr is not Ben Roethlisberger. Marshawn Lynch is certainly not Le'Veon Bell, especially at this point in his career. So I, I see a, a game where, frankly, unless the Chiefs beat themselves, 
I don't really see a path for the Raiders to win this game. I could see it being close, but unless the Chiefs turn the ball over, take a lot of penalties, the Raiders are just going to struggle to generate points. They've never beaten the Chiefs in the four tries they've had under Jack Del Rio. They've really never come close in most of those games. Um, and so when you look at the statistics, Marshawn Lynch is rushing for 3.7 yards in attempt. Amari Cooper has 146 receiving yards on the year. It's just it's it's not a good matchup for an Oakland team that right now looks as lost as any team in the NFL. Well, you said it the other week when I think a couple of different times you said that the Ravens were going to come off of a loss and come out hot, and then the Steelers were going to come off a loss and come out hot. And I think that the Chiefs are going to do that, especially against a divisional opponent that, like you said, they can bury him this week. This could be the end of the Raiders. And who saw that coming? Week seven, and the Raiders are already out of it. That's incredible. And it's it's not it's not unjust too because the defense is terrible Derek Carr I don't think he should be back why rush him back to do what whatever he did on Sunday against the Chargers it's not good and then the Chiefs the Chiefs just everything seems to be going well for them this year I know they had a bad game against Pittsburgh Pittsburgh always plays them tough if they can limit the mental mistakes that they made and just don't outsmart themselves don't think too hard about it they're going to be fine and they own Oakland and it's a Thursday night game so I'm going to take Kansas City to win this one get back on track if there was ever a time where the Chiefs had to play a, a Thursday night game away that I felt good about their chances to win, this would be the game. They just, Oakland never plays well against. Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know, the average oak tree branch can hold 70 pounds. Something you probably do know, your neighbor is building their kid a treehouse. Something you probably don't know. A falling treehouse would take out your whole fence. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Um, the Chiefs have a, a good secondary, and with Oakland's defense, the only plus side that they have in my mind is their passing game. And if you're a team that could shut their passing game down, they're going to have a rough time to win. Yeah, you know, and, and I'll close this game with, out with this, but when you look at the Raiders, their leading tacklers are Carl Joseph and TJ Carey. When your safety and your corner are leading your team in tackles, that's not good. That typically means your front seven is an atrocity. And in the Raiders' case, look, we all know about Khalil Mack. But they signed Bruce Irvin last year to a big money contract. Bruce Irvin has two sacks this year. You're not, you're not going to beat teams with one great player on the, on the defensive side of the ball. You need more than that. You may not need three or four great players, but you need guys who are capable. And the Raiders just don't have enough capable players. The secondary is a shadow of what they hoped it would be, partially because of injuries, partially because of talent. I just look at the game. If Tyreek Hill can play, and, and there are reports he doesn't have a concussion, so if that's the case, he should be able to play. Uh, I don't see how the Raiders stop him, stop Kelsey, stop Kareem Hunt. It just feels like a game where the Chiefs are going to come out with a lot of purpose to try to bounce back. And frankly, uh, I, I think they do. I, I think they'll win. I think they'll cover. And so uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that. But Chiefs still have the best record in football in Philadelphia, who they beat in week two. So I think there's a lot to be pretty happy about if you're for Kansas City. Um, Sunday slate, we'll start off in, in Minnesota. Minnesota coming off a big win. Over the Packers, of course, we'll get very deep into the Packers here in a little bit, but Minnesota wins the game, jumps into first place, 4-2. Teddy Bridgewater got cleared to practice today, so he should be back at some point this year, one would imagine. Playing against Baltimore, who went on the road and beat the Raiders, 
granted with E.J. Manuel quarterback, but won the game, came home, and managed to lose to the Bears. Uh, so then the Ravens are 3-3. Three and three. They, they do not look particularly good. They've lost three of their last four. The Vikings suddenly maybe the favorites in that division, uh, and they're favored by five points. And Hill, you're from Minnesota. I'll let you have the floor. But uh, looks like Minnesota might have another good chance to win a game here. I mean, they're absolutely the favorite in the NFC North, in my opinion. It's their division to lose at this point because Green Bay is out of the way. Detroit, I don't know what's going on with them. I mean, I think that I did think Detroit's better than people give them credit for. But then they go and they play a game in New Orleans like they did, and I, I don't know what to say about them. But as far as Minnesota is concerned, I don't know how they do it. This is just my entire life I've watched the team. They have never had a consistent quarterback. They just have, like, Band-Aids that play well. And nothing epitomizes that more than Case Keenum coming in and all of a sudden leading this team to a 4-2 and two record in a first-place spot. I mean, all of a sudden, he's Randall Cunningham. It's like, who is this guy? So, And the defense is really, really good. And we saw that against the Packers on Sunday. Now, the Packers' offense is great. But one thing that the Vikings' defense last year couldn't do it was close out when things were getting tough. And they took advantage of a situation in which the Packers were down and out and they didn't let them back in the game. And I think that's big. I think the Vikings turned a corner big time here this season. Case Keenum, you know, in the playoffs, am I betting on him? I don't know, but the Vikings are 4-2 and, and he's winning. I, I don't like him, but I have no reason to not trust that he's going to get the job done. Yeah, I mean, I, I know that I'm not betting on Case Keenum in the playoffs, but... I know what you're saying. Look, he's played well so far. Yeah. He's played well enough for them to win games. Mm-hmm. And they're going against a Ravens team. that I don't think people fully understand like how atrocious this team is offensively. Yeah. Joe Flacco has 1,003 yards passing Ooh. in six games. Yikes. He's averaging 5.4 yards in attempts. He has four touchdowns and eight picks. He is awful. Mm. Awful. Like To the point that if, they, if it wasn't for Ryan Mallett being his backup, he would absolutely be on the bench already. They have, they have no receiving threats. Mike Wallace has 239 yards. He's leading the team by a mile. And then, let's not forget a couple of years ago, they drafted Brashad Perriman. He was supposedly going to be the you know, first-round pick. He was going to be a deep threat. He was going to be a guy who really helped to bolster this offense. He has four catches for 26 yards this year. Not yesterday, for the year. Uh, so they're not, they're not good. The defense isn't terrible. The defense actually is halfway decent, but... I don't, I don't see how the Ravens go on the road and win this game, especially against Minnesota's defense. I don't know that Baltimore scores 10 points. So I'm, I would take Minnesota absolutely to, to win the game. Oh, yeah. I agree. Um, I would also take Minnesota, and you both brought up the reasons why. Case Keenum has surprised me. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not going to probably find him in maybe the top 10 of statistics, uh, but he's played pretty well for them. But the most amazing thing to me is I've always – for the most part, been a Joe Flacco fan. It's like he's fallen off the face of the earth. Um, it's not like they have a lot of offensive talent on that team, but he shouldn't be as bad as he is. I mean, Macklin got hurt, but he has some receivers on that team. And um, his statistics, uh, even watching him in the Oakland game where they won, he just doesn't look anything like the quarterback he was, you know, three or four years ago. He's really never been the same since he tore his ACL. A few years back, and I don't know if that was really just, you know, just coincidence, or that was a tipping point, or what have you. But he is—he has looked terrible. So look for Minnesota to, to probably continue to roll here, and, get, and if they win, they're five and two. Yeah. And so Minnesota looks like they're in pretty good shape all of a sudden. Staying in the NFC, uh, Carolina at Chicago is part of the one o'clock slate on Sunday. Carolina, a three and a half point favorite in this game. They're coming off a long respite. They lost on Thursday night to Philadelphia at home. Uh, Chicago, of course, we just mentioned one twenty-seven to twenty-four. 
beat the Ravens. The offense uh, was a tale of two sides, really. The Bears can run the ball as well as just about anybody in football with Tariq Cohen and Jordan Howard. Trubisky was terrible in the game, but it didn't matter because Joe Flacco was as bad as he was. So the Bears were able to get a win. They improved to 2-4 and four in the year. Now they come home, and again, three-and-a-half-point dogs. Uh, I, I, think, I think Carolina should be able to handle this game. I know it's a road game, but they, they had, you know, they've had 10 days to get ready for this thing. Uh, they need to keep winning. Because the NFC South is very competitive. And you have to think, too, just from a, a sheer talent perspective, the Panthers are a better team on both sides of the ball. There's really no excuse to lose this game. I expect Newton to play well. He did not play well against Philadelphia. He threw a couple of interceptions. He could have thrown more. Uh, it, it was an ugly performance by both he and the offense. Uh, Luke Keekley, don't know what's going on with him with just a concussion situation, which is becoming a real concern both for this year and long term. But uh, I, I think I think Carolina will go on the road and win this game. I don't think it'll be a blowout. I think it'll be fairly close. The Bears can run. They can play a little defense. Got a good front seven. But the Panthers know that if we lose this game, we're four and three in the division. Then look, you know the Saints aren't going away. The Falcons are going to get going here at some point. And your Buccaneers we'll get to in a minute. But the talent's there. The talent is not, uh, you know, for, for need in Tampa. Uh, execution might be, but not the talent. So I think, I think Carolina will, will handle business behind an improved Cam Newton this weekend. Uh, yeah, the two key factors for me are it's the 10 days of rest that they get to prepare for the other key factor, which is the Bears. So the Bears are not a great team. But I will say the, the home games that they've had, they played Atlanta close. They beat Pittsburgh. And, you know, the game against Minnesota could have gone their way, too. So there's something weird about them playing at home. And it concerns me that Carolina had a bad week last week against Philadelphia. I think that was just a case of the Eagles being the better team. I think if this was a preview of a playoff matchup, it was pretty accurate. I think that's what we'll see. But to me, again, this goes back to always not taking the Panthers seriously. I just don't think they're for real. And the... They come out and they play a game against New England in which they win, and everybody's like, oh, Cam Newton's back, and then they lay a dud against the Eagles. They almost get beat by the Bills at home, who are a better team than a lot of people think, but still, the Bills at home, that's not a game. Shouldn't lose that game. No. I think Carolina wins this game, but I do think what we're going to be talking about more so after this is how much more impressed we are with Mitchell Trubisky than we are saying anything about Carolina. Because Trubisky's, I think, you know, you said in the preseason, they've got themselves a quarterback in Chicago, so... Uh, you know, listen, Trubisky, I was actually fairly impressed with him against Minnesota. I thought he didn't play that well against Baltimore. But to be fair to him, who is he throwing the ball to? They have nobody. Their receivers are so bad. Mm-hmm. It's almost comical. And, you know, look, you look, you say, well, Trubisky's completed 49% of his throws. He's, you know, he's got 5.9 yards in attempt. You have to judge him based off of his traits and what he looks like and not his statistics with this team because his team around him is terrible. They can run the ball, but they can't throw it at all. The tackles are bad. They have no receivers. Zach Miller's a decent enough tight end. But that's about where it ends. Uh, but hey, listen, you know what? I think the Bears will play tough in this game. I, I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any stretch. Um, but I, I think the I think the Panthers, the talent, eventually just kind of overrides it. But hey, if Keekley's out for this game, he leads the team with 46 tackles. He's got their only interception this year, which is incredible. Uh, him not being there, especially against that rushing attack, is a problem. But but I do think Carolina finds a way to win. I, I also think Carolina finds a way to, way to win. Uh, the one thing, if I'm a Bears fan, that I'd be happy about is, as you mentioned, their defense I don't think is far away from being a, 
a very good defense. Uh, you know, in the top of the league. Uh, you know, a couple guys in the secondary. Uh, a lot of times when you watch teams. How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. And you say, well, they're really not that good. Well, the Bears, they are good in the front seven. And with a decent secondary, that defense is, is going to improve quite a bit. But obviously, their work in the offseason is going to be getting him some weapons on offense because they don't have anybody. No, they, they really don't. They're probably the worst receiving core in football. Part of that because of injuries and part of it just because, you know, Kevin White hasn't panned out and, and so on and so forth. They signed Victor Cruz to cut him for the year started. Going to the AFC South. One o'clock game, Jacksonville at Indianapolis. Of course, Indianapolis. Yeah, that's right. Of course, Indianapolis has not played yet uh, as we record this, so they're they're two and three at the moment. Um, I'm projecting them to be two and four. Uh, Jacksonville had a home game against the Rams, and it started off by giving up a 103-yard kick return for a touchdown to Farrell Cooper. Uh, that wasn't the start Jacksonville was looking for. It also wasn't the end they were looking for. They lost. So they fall to 3-3 three and three on the year. And they, they are a weird team. They have had some really impressive wins at Houston, at Pittsburgh. And they have had some just ridiculously ugly losses. I think that's kind of the Blake Bortles experience. You don't know what you're going to get. And if the defense doesn't play lights out, you're going to lose. That said, Jacksonville's favored by three on the road. Uh, I, I don't know what to make of Jacksonville. Uh, I'll, I'll let you lead off. Just, I, I find it interesting that they're favored by field goal on the road against anybody. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we're also talking about the Colts, though. So we've seen all that we need to see out of them without Andrew Luck. And again, even with Andrew Luck, I don't think that this is a good football team. It's, it's curtains for Chuck Pagano this year. This is, his, this is the last year he's going to be there. But for Jacksonville, a team that I'm surprisingly excited about, maybe it's because I like the pain of rooting for Florida teams that are almost good but not really good. Um, the defense is great, but it's the same thing. We've talked about this how many different weeks. It's Blake Bortles is going to let them be as good as Blake Bortles will allow, and it's it hasn't been that great. But that being said, here we are in a situation where they're very easily going to go four and three. They're still in the position to control the AFC South. I, Houston's better than we thought without J.J. Watt, but they played Cleveland last week, so I don't know how much of a litmus test that is. But to me, Jacksonville, they're starting to put things together in a way that it makes me excited for when they actually get a quarterback. Fournette's good. They had an injury scare with him uh, yesterday. But that ended up being all right. The defense yep. is great. Maybe fix some special teams things. But I don't think Jacksonville's that far off from being really competitive. I think they're a team, as we head into next season, we're talking about them the same way we talked about Tampa Bay and Tennessee heading into this year where they're finally going to take the next step. Yeah, listen, I, mean, I I agree with you in the sense of they had a quarterback. I think they were really a legitimate team. Yeah. The, the problem is they have, they have played Bortles at quarterback, and he throws the ball. He doesn't have an elbow. Uh, he's completed 57% of his throws, which if this was 1970, that'd be great. The problem is it's 48 years later, 47 years later. So he has eight touchdowns and five picks. Uh, now, look, you, you died on the hill early on in the year. Their defense is really good. They have yeah. 23 sacks on the season. Calais Campbell is eight. They've been terrific. They, they've probably the best pass defense in the league, or it's certainly you know, top three, top four, whatever you want to say. And Fournette, as you mentioned, he's a stud. I mean, he's, he's going to rush for easily over 1,000 yards. Already has a half dozen touchdowns uh, on the ground. He has one receiving as well. My question is, not so much in this game, so I think Jacksonville will win. 
But how far can you go with Blake Bortles? Not far. Like that's that's the problem, right? Like mm-hmm. I don't know. Could they win this division? I mean, I think you, they can win the division just because the AFC South is always such a crapshoot. I mean, how many years did uh, Houston win with what TJ Yates and whoever they were throwing <laughs> out there? So I think that it's a winnable division, but that doesn't. It, it, it's like, what's the point of winning the AFC South if all you're going to be is a participant? In the playoffs, like I get that, yeah, this team could use some playoff experience. It'd be great for the fans. I mean, I can't remember the last time Jacksonville was in the playoffs, and it was oh seven, I believe. Yeah, so like a decade ago, it'd be great in from that perspective. But for all the years that Jacksonville has won free agency and won the off season, I don't think just making the playoffs is going to be good enough for them. And I think even if they do. Blake Bortles isn't going to let them get very far, and it's just going to be an endless frustration with them. So. They, they, they don't get far with Bortles, but I'm hopeful for the future. Well, I, I agree with both of you. As far as the, the quarterback concern, if they had a legitimate quarterback, mm. they're almost a lock for the playoffs. Um, with Blake Bortles, they may be able to get in. I don't think they're going to be able to do too much when they get there. Um, but if I'm a, a Jaguars fan, I feel really good. I think Doug Marone is an underrated coach. He's not going to win any personality contests. But, you know, when he was a coach with the Bills, they didn't have great personnel. They had good personnel, but I thought he did a very good job with them. Went 9-7. and seven. It, it, yeah. they, they did a very good job. And I think he's doing a very good job with the Jaguars. And as far as Tom Coughlin is concerned, um, I am a Chief fan, but I'm, I live in the New York area. I've always liked the Giants. Tom Coughlin is a good, solid football guy. And I, I think they're on the right track. I really do. Yeah, so. I, I give Jacksonville credit for finally putting together at least one side of the ball that looks much improved. And so now, now you've got to be, you've got to be excited at least if you're a Jacksonville fan that there are some pieces in place. You have a dynamic running back. It's just really a shame Allen Robinson got hurt. Yeah, because he's such a good player and he really bails out Bortles uh, sometimes. But hey, listen, we you know like Jacksonville, we think probably win this weekend in Indianapolis. If they do. Hey, it's another. That's another road division win, mm-hmm. and so that's that's a nice nice job by them there if they can get the job done. Staying uh, in another game that's in the AFC, also a divisional game, the Jets at the Dolphins. Uh, listen, the Jets. I'm not going to take any shots at them. Three and three, and they played the Pats tough. They threw for well over 300 yards in the game. A very controversial call on Austin's Ferry and Jenkins, your old buddy from Tampa yeah, there. Tampa Bay, great. <laughs> yeah, he fumbles the ball, and, and it's controversial whether it was a touchdown or, or a touchback. Eventually, they, it was called a turnover. Um, the Jets are, like, fairly competent. I, to be fair to them, look, I don't think the Jets are making the playoffs. I don't think they're going to run at the playoffs. I think eventually here the bubble's going to burst, and they're probably going to lose you know, six out of seven to be done with it. But they're very people think. On the flip side... The Dolphins on Sunday going to Atlanta, everybody thinks they're going to get killed. They were a 13-point underdog in some books. And they get down 17-0 at halftime, and it looks pretty much like everybody thought it was going to look. And then they score 20 points in a row and win. Now, I'll be honest. I'm not a Miami guy. I I don't think the Dolphins are a good team. But if there's ever a win that's going to propel you to be better, it's that game. They're favored by three and a half in this game. I do think the Dolphins will win at home. I think they'll beat the Jets. Uh... But, you know, the Dolphins, what do you make of them? I don't know. They're, again, I feel like I said that earlier about Jackson. What do you make of the Dolphins, who are, are not overly impressive by any stretch, but they're 3-2? and two? I think that the loss by Atlanta speaks more to Atlanta than it does as some kind of endorsement of Miami. Because we've seen this happen with Atlanta before, where they just they can't finish games. They run out of gas. They don't know what it is. 
So I'm not necessarily buying Miami as this contender, which is funny to say because maybe I am buying New York as a contender a little bit here because they win this game. All of a sudden, they've got two big divisional wins over Miami. So that's taken care of. The way the AFC is shaken out, those two teams could be in the wild card hunt coming down the stretch of the season. So that those could be big wins for them. New York, I give them all the credit in the world because we made fun of them in the offseason. We said that they were going to be a joke. Everybody said yeah. they were going to be a joke. And here they are not only winning games, but almost beating the Patriots. So I'm going to go with New York in this one. I don't know if that's not necessarily the safest bet in the world, but I think that the Jets are going to find a way to figure it out. I think that they come off that game against New England hungry. They're going to go down to Miami and they're going to figure something out. And we're going to get back to you know making jokes about smoking Jay Cutler come next Monday. Well, I too would take the Jets. Um, like everybody else, I thought they were going to be lucky to win one or two games. But again, being from the New York area, Todd Bowles was getting killed early on in the season. Now people can't say enough things, you know, enough nice things about him, and rightfully so. Um, if nothing else. He has a team playing very hard. The defense isn't bad. It's not great, but they have some good young players, especially in the secondary on that team. Um, they're playing well. I don't like the Dolphins at all. I, I, I never thought Jay Cutler was a good quarterback. Um, I thought he was average at best. He has a lot of tools. He maybe could have been one of the great quarterbacks, but his record, in my mind, speaks for itself. So I like the Jets, and I, I think they're going to find a, a way to win the game. Well, they do. That would give them a season sweep over the Dolphins uh, and put the Dolphins in a pretty rough spot. If the Dolphins win the game, they're 4-2, and two, and while I'm not impressed by them, I don't think anybody here is, uh, you, they'd be in the mix. Uh, and it, probably not for the division, but for certainly for a playoff spot. So now we get to a game we've all been looking forward to talking, to, or talking about, the Saints at the Packers. Yep. If you told anybody that, Sunday at noon yesterday, hey, the Saints are going to be favored by five and a half points in this game. You would have said the Saints either beat the Lions by 400 points or a meteor hit the Packers. Well, kind of. Uh, Aaron Rodgers breaks his collarbone. He might be out for the year. He's certainly out for a couple of months. And so we see the line go from what probably would have been the Packers favored by six, seven points to being underdogs by five and a half with Brett Hundley Getting the start, Hundley was terrible in Minnesota. Threw three picks. Uh, I got to be honest here. The Saints, like, it's weird to say this after they come off a game where they gave up 38 points, even though they won 52 to 38. The Saints' defense is better than it's been. A lot of those points were in garbage time when the, the game was well in hand. Uh, Saints scored two touchdowns defensively yesterday. I think getting rid of Adrian Peterson helps them. Mm-hmm. I think it's addition by subtraction, both in the locker room and on the field, because it gives more touches for Alvin Kamara. And for Mark Ingram, uh, I think the Saints are going to go in here and put it on the Packers because the Packers have no defense, especially in the secondary. And and without Rodgers, and we might have even talked about this a week or two ago. Like they're a bad roster with, without him. Yeah, they're. It's not like they're a team like okay. If you take Brady away from the Pats a couple of years ago, and they did actually during mm-hmm. the four game suspension. First of all, Garoppolo looks competent. Second of all, that the Pats still have a good hat, or at least had a good team around him. The Packers are terrible. They're a terrible football team. If you played a full season without Aaron Rodgers in that team, they're going 4-12. Four, four Saints, winners are three in a row. They're going to make it four in a row. I, I see no reason that the Saints don't go into Green Bay and, and put it on them pretty good. Yeah, I mean, 
this, I saw the Saints have some sort of weird awakening on Sunday that reminded me of vintage Saints football, where they get into a shootout, and it's at home, and Drew Brees is weathering the storm, and it, it ends up working out in their favor. So I, I really liked what I saw out of the Saints. And like you said, they go into a game against the Packers, which is very winnable now because they got Brett Hundley and they've got no defense. And the thing about the Saints now, they win that game. All of a sudden, they're 4-2, and two, very much in the mix for the NFC South. Then they got a game against the Bears, which they could win, 5-2. and two. So you're 5-2 and two going in a game against the Buccaneers. At home. At home. That very well could be 6-2. and two. We very well could be seeing the Saints turning the corner here in like what could be a last gasp push for this Drew Brees, Sean Payton era, which was a lot of fun to watch back in the day. Everybody's kind of said that it's done. Sean Payton's going to be out. Drew Brees can move on, retire, whatever. I think that they've got one last push in them. I'm not going to say that it's going to be successful, but I think they're going to at least make it fun down the stretch here as this little window comes to a close. As for the Packers, oh boy. <laughs> That's really it's, all that needs to be said. It's, uh, I, think, I think come next week we're going to be talking more about Tony Romo, maybe trading for Eli Manning, trying to get something done. They need a quarterback. They need a quarterback bad. Otherwise, And I, I wrote about this for the site on Sunday, and I think we're going to really see it more as these weeks pass. This is where this is make it or break it time for Mike McCarthy. All the times that we've heard problems in the locker room, they've started losing. It's been, oh, McCarthy's not the guy. They need a new head coach. And Rodgers has won and pulled him out. Now that broken shoulder, it's not strong enough to hold him up now. Yeah. I think that McCarthy... He's either going to coach his way out of this, or we're finally going to see, yeah, he's not the guy. Maybe we get somebody in here so we don't waste the rest of Aaron Rodgers' prime. Well, you know, the one thing the Packers have had problems with, in my mind over the years, is as good as their offense has been, uh, their defense has been mediocre to me. Um, I think if they had had a really good defense over the years with Aaron Rodgers, you know, they would have won more than, than you know, the one Super Bowl with them. Yeah. Um, so now with him gone, I think it's going to even expose that defense in some ways as far as the way people look at it than, they, than it did before because they, they would win some shootouts. They're not going to win shootouts anymore. And with Drew Brees, I think it's going to be a uh, tall order for them you know, come this weekend. And you know what? You, know, you talk about Brees. The one thing I'm impressed about with the Saints this year, typically when they've, had to win, when they've won games, Brees just had to be otherworldly to win them. They scored 52 points yesterday, and he threw for 186 yards in that game. When they beat the Dolphins 20 to nothing, Brees threw for 268. When they beat the Panthers 34 to 13, he threw for 220. It's not just that they're getting this offensive explosion. Now, yeah, 52 points yesterday, sure, that was more than anybody expected. But they've been winning games differently this year. They've been able to run the ball. They've been able to block better. Their defense is the defense has certainly played better. And you mentioned to Josh, like you look at their schedule. There's not a game the rest of the year that you're like, well, the Saints really just don't have a shot in this. It would have been this weekend, but with Rodgers out, they should win. Mm-hmm. Bears at home, Bucks at home. Buccaneers have given them trouble there, but certainly the Saints could win the game. Then they go at Buffalo. play the, And then down the stretch, if they get the Jets at home, they get the Falcons at home, they get the Panthers and Redskins at home. It's, it's The Saints, Saints have a real shot to win 10 or 11 games here, and they're a dangerous team, especially in their own building. They are very tough to play against. And so... I'm excited to see what the Saints can do as the year wears on. But they're a team I frankly thought would be 7-9, 8-8. Eight eight. They, they look a little better than that. Um, and so staying actually in the, AFC, or in the NFC South, rather, your Buccaneers. Playing at 1 o'clock. I know, you don't want to talk about this, but we have to. It's uh, therapy. 
Buccaneers on the road this weekend playing at Buffalo. Buffalo favored by a field goal in the game, coming off a bye. The Bills, for them, it's been all about their defense and LaShawn McCoy. McCoy's been the bell cow on offense. They don't have any receivers to really write about. Uh, Tyrod Taylor's been average this season, but, but McDermott's done a really good job coaching up what is a very solid defensive unit. Tredavious White, who they took in the first round out of LSU, has been a top-notch corner for them. He's played excellent football. Uh, he was, in fact, he was the AFC Defensive Rookie of the Year in September, or Rookie of the Month, rather, in September. So that all said, like I always do, I give you the floor on your Buccaneers who are getting three points in Western New York this weekend. That is such a gift. <laughs> They're getting three points. Um, not only were the Buccaneers bad on Sunday against the Cardinals, they were so catastrophically, legendarily bad that they let Adrian Peterson basically reanimate himself into his 2007-2008 self where he's running all over the league, and now I have to hear about it. I literally cannot avoid it. Everybody's talking about a Carson Palmer's back, Larry Fitzgerald's back, Adrian Peterson's back. A bunch of old guys running over the uh, Buccaneers' defense. That's real fun to wake up to on a Monday. And they deserve it. They played like crap on Sunday against the Cardinals. They were slow out of the gate. I've seen them do that before, but it was back in the rah rah Raheem Morris days, you know, the youngry days of the Bucks. It was, I don't know, I hate it when people say, oh, it was an East Coast team that had to go West. It was the time difference. They're big boys, they're grown men. They can account for the time difference. They just played really, really bad football, and now they have to go on the road against a Bills team that has already beaten an, AFC, an NFC South team that was supposedly supposed to blow them out in Atlanta. Now the Buccaneers, maybe without Jameis Winston. What, I mean, I don't, I don't know what to think of this team. If they don't have Jameis Winston, like we said so many weeks before, this team is only going to be as good as Jameis Winston plays on offense. He's just going to have to not make mistakes. But he, if he's not in there at all, and if it's the Ryan Fitzpatrick show... I know he's played in Buffalo before. I was going to say Fitzy returns. <laughs> Fitzy returns, and it's not going to be a good return. Um, I did. I saw a uh, meme going around on, on Twitter in the game yesterday about this cycle of Fitzpatrick, where it's like have the starter get hurt, go and play well, win the starting job, get paid, suck, release, and then it, it, it's a cycle <laughs> that repeats. I don't think that's going to happen here. I think that I'm going to take the Bucks just because I I never pick against them, but this is a, this is exactly what I feared in that I'm not confident that they can go in and win this game. I think that Buffalo is as good, if maybe not the better team on Sunday. And a lot of that has to do with the mentality of the Bucks. They're just, they're lost this year. And if they lose this game, it's going to be a slippery slope to the end of the year. Uh, this is one of the tougher games uh, for me to pick. I like the Bucks better as a team. I think they're more balanced. Uh, obviously, Again, the quarterback, it's kind of hard to pick the game without knowing exactly who, who's going to play. And Fitzpatrick has his moments, so you never know which Fitzpatrick you're going to get. You know, I mean, he had one year with the Jets where he was absolutely terrific, which I am shocked I'm even saying that. But I, he really was. He, was. he had a very good season. But I'm going to pick the Pats. Um, well, the Pats aren't playing. Uh, excuse me, the Bucks. <laughs> well, the Pats, I might pick them later. We'll see. But um, I'm going to pick the Bucks. I think they're going to find a way to win the game, but I think it's going to be a close game. It's a tough one to pick. I hate to do it to you. I, I'm going to take the Bills this game simply because I, I was looking at the bottom of the screen as I was slowly dying inside as the Chiefs were busy getting five <laughs> offensive yards in the first two and a half quarters of their game. And it's just 7 nothing. Okay. All right. I looked back down. It was 31 nothing. Yep. So my like, God, what happened? And then I looked down later in the game. They're down five. So I think the Bucks are a more talented team. Mm-hmm. I think, I think if, let's put it this way. 
If the Buccaneers play to their potential in this game, they will win the game. But I don't know if they're going to play to their potential. And the Bills are coming off a bye and they're at home. I'm taking the Bills simply because I just I don't know what the Buccaneers are. I, I feel like I know the Bills pretty well. The Bills aren't a great team, but they're going to play it tough. You know, they're at home. They're always better at home, obviously, most teams are. But the Bills have, have a decent home field advantage. I, I just think in this game, I could see it being like 16-13, and it's ugly, and Winston throws some back-breaking pick in the fourth that he rifles to Mike Evans into triple coverage. I, I don't feel confident in the pick, to be honest. I think it's kind of a toss-up of a game, but I'm just taking the home team off a bye, you know, simply because I feel like they ha- they know their identity. Yeah. I don't know what the Bucks' identity is. Are they, are they they should be a defensive team that can throw the football offensively, but that hasn't really bared out so far. Tying a, tying a bow around the Bucks too, this is exactly what I didn't want to see. Two and three, going into a game on the road against a Bills team that I'm not confident they can beat, and then remembering that they don't have a bye week this year. So this, I mean, if they were cruising along, if they were four and one, and things were going a little bit better, I might feel more comfortable with them going down the stretch. But I think as we get deeper into this season, especially if Winston gets hurt, if McCoy keeps getting banged up, which is a yearly occurrence, that the lack of that bye week is going to start, you know, rearing its head, and that's it's it's not going to be good. Well, we'll switch gears a little bit here as we stay in the one o'clock slate. Last game in the one o'clock slate, uh, and. You know, this game, we're going to talk about this game because we want to prove to all the listeners out there that we will talk about any game we, we always do. Uh, and we'll talk about every team because we care about all of you, even if it's only maybe one or two of you that like a given team. And in this case, hopefully none of you like this team. Cleveland's at home, and they are six-and-a-half-point underdogs to the Tennessee Titans. So again, we're recording this on a Monday. We don't know whether or not Tennessee's going to beat Indianapolis tonight. I assume they will. Um I don't know what to say about this. Look, if, if Tennessee shows up and has a pulse, they're going to win. Okay? Because at this juncture, Cleveland is such a rancid disaster. I don't know... I I don't know what even to say anymore. I feel like every time we do one of these podcasts, I, I rant about how terrible they are. And I'm not even affected by it. I, I don't care. I'm not a Cleveland fan. They yanked the Sean Kaiser halftime of last week's game, last week's loss at home to the Jets. They come back on Sunday with Kevin Hogan starting. Kevin Hogan goes out and is atrocious and throws three interceptions, including a really a game-ending pick six, even though it was in the second quarter of the game. He's 20-37 for 140 yards with a touchdown and three picks. That's what you benched Deshaun Kaiser for. Mm. Now, look, I get it. Deshaun Kaiser has stunk this year. He's thrown three touchdowns and nine picks. He's completing 51% of his throws. He's, he's been awful. But does it ever occur to anybody in Cleveland, like, maybe maybe it's not Deshaun Kaiser. I mean, maybe maybe it is. Maybe we find out he's terrible. But we're never going to find out anything with him sitting on the bench. Does it ever occur to anybody at all that the problem could be that Duke Johnson Jr. is leading your team in receiving yardage, and he's followed up by Ricardo Lewis and Seth DeValve and Richard Higgins? Oh, and then there's Kenny Britt, number five. Good, 121 receiving yards. Has it occurred to anybody that maybe that's the problem. That maybe your coach, who is now, what, 1-21 since he's been here in Hugh Jackson, maybe he's the problem. I don't know what to say other than they play Tennessee and Minnesota at home the next two weeks. They're going to get beaten both games. And then they have a bye, and they should fire everyone. And we should start to cycle over. And then they can draft, you know, whoever. Sam Darnold, because God knows they're going to do it. And they're going to ruin that poor kid's career. So, I take Tennessee to win. Thoughts? 
I take Tennessee to win too, and it seems like a weekly occurrence that we're just endlessly frustrated with the Browns. It's kind of like with, you know, I'm invested in the Chiefs now because of you and, and your dad and, and listening to Chiefs fans talk around me, and now I just feel invested in the Chiefs. Maybe it's because I grew up rooting for Minnesota teams that are never good, but I feel invested in the Browns fans' struggle, and they deserve so much better than whatever the front office and whatever Jimmy Haslam's thrown out there. Because those, those, those folks, they come out, and they support that team, and they go out in sub-zero temperatures, and they tailgate, and they love that team. And how do they get repaid? By endlessly rebooting the franchise, like some crappy movie you know, series. Like it's Fast and the Furious or something like that. It's, I don't understand because it's, they're going to go through the same thing. Hugh Jackson's going to get fired because he's going to win maybe one game this year. They're going to draft, maybe. Yeah, maybe. They're going to draft another quarterback, probably the wrong one. And it's just going to be another – in three years, we're going to be doing the same thing. There's, you know, there's already reports that they're trying to bring in football executives to try to change up the front office. They're not even waiting until the season's over to try to turn the wheels on this thing. And it's just – it's endlessly frustrating. I can't even imagine what it's like to be a Browns fan. I'm taking Tennessee in this game, and I just want to say to our uh, brothers across the sea in, in, in London, I'm so sorry that we're sending the Browns there next week. I'm so sorry. Good night. <laughs> I, I couldn't have said it better than Josh just did as, as far as how I feel about the Browns, their fans, and what they have to endure. But what I'd really like to talk about is everybody always likes to say, what's, what's your surprise team this year? Well, in a bad way, it's Tennessee. Everybody thought, including myself, that this team was really going to make strides this year. And it even started in the preseason. They look absolutely awful. And I don't even have what the explanation is for it. A lot of people said they had the second best offensive line last year behind Dallas. It just seems they can't block. They can't score points. Can't play defense. Defense looked like they were going to be pretty good this year. Um, With that being said... Because Cleveland's so bad, I'm going to pick Tennessee. But um, I am not going to watch this game. So <laughs> Nothing cures your ales like the Colts and the Browns in a, in a matter of six days. That fixes it. Um, that's, like, you know, that's like having some indigestion and then just chugging like a gallon of Beano, right? Like, like it may not be pleasant. <laughs> But it's fixed. It's gonna happen. <laughs> it, and it is going to happen. Uh, listen, it's you know we'll move on. But it's it's a rough time. I really like you suggest. I feel bad for the fans. I think that's why I get so annoyed with it. Really, more than anything else. And you look at the Browns. They've not had a running back go over sixty yards in a game this year. They've not had a receiver hit a hundred yards. Can't. I mean, not to not sound like Mike Singletary, but like can't win with them. Right. Can't can't play with it. it's terrible. So we'll move on. Enough about Brian and the Browns, but. We'll go to a game on the NFC side, first of the 4 o'clock games. Uh, the Cardinals are at the Rams. Rams favored by 3.5 points of the game at the L.A. Coliseum. Uh, Arizona looked awful all year long, and unfortunately your Buccaneers came to town, and the Cardinals found a way to summon up the courage to play like a football team. I think the Rams are going to win this game. I think the Rams are legitimately good. They're 4-2, and two, coming home. They're in a race for the division now with Seattle. Uh, Arizona certainly has a lot to play for in this game at 3-3. Three and three. But I think the Rams are going to handle business. I really do. They, you know, I picked against them on the road this week. I thought Jacksonville would be able to shut them down. They they only gave up 20 points offensively, but still, the Rams were able to find a way to win. Uh, Sean McVay might be the coach of the year right now. And Jared Goff looks like a really good young prospect. I'm not going to say, you know, top 10 quarterback yet. He's, he's not there yet. But 
He's played well, and I think you got to give him credit. He's thrown for almost 1,500 yards already. He has eight touchdowns. Uh, we're, see, we're seeing great improvement. And Todd Gurley looks like the running back we saw his rookie year, not his second year. So I like the Rams in this game. Uh, I, I think the Rams get it done. I think it's a close game. I actually think the Cardinals will cover the three and a half points. But I do think the Rams at home find a way to get to five and two. Yeah, the, the Rams, to me, have been my surprise team of the year in a good way because we all thought that they were coming to the year and Jared Goff looked like, you know, a broomstick with a wig on and it was all this crap about how they're not good. The defense is maybe going to be all right, but what are they going to have on offense? It was even to the point where we kind of made fun of them from trading for Sammy Watkins because it's like, well, what's, what's the point there? Right. And boy, it's been a it's banner year for ex-Bills receivers in Los Angeles, right? So... I think that Sean McVay is the coach of the year, hands down. And I don't think that there's really anybody that's going to challenge him down the stretch of the season. Like, even if things don't pan out for Los Angeles this year, I think the, the things that Sean McVay has done in taking them from the Jeff Fisher era, this lazy kind of lackadaisical whatever was going on there, into making them into a real football team, that's impressive to me. And Jared Goff, we've talked about it in weeks past, he looks, it's night and day between what we saw last year and then this year where he's, he's recognized, not only reading defenses and recognizing schemes, but he's making plays where he's throwing into pass interference penalties that are benefiting the Rams. He's recognizing things that you don't really think about. And then you're like, oh, wow, Jared Goff thought of that. Maybe, maybe I should be watching the game a little bit harder. So I, I, I'm really impressed with Sean McVay. And this is a game we've seen the Rams get to a point where they're now in a situation where this is, I don't want to say a statement game, but it's a game in which they can put away a divisional opponent and really take them out of the race. And like you said, they're, they're going toe-to-toe with Seattle this year. And I think if it comes down to it, Los Angeles is the better team. And this is maybe their first step towards really running towards that division title this year. I like the Rams as well. I think they're going to find a way to win the game. Um, they have a lot of young talent on the team. So I, I think you are going to find a game here and a game there. Uh, where they, they find a way to lose because they're still at that stage, I think, where they're still learning how to win. And I, I think the Seattle game may be a little indication of that. But I don't think this is going to be a game that they're going to lose. I, I really liked Arizona a couple of years ago. Uh, I really think they're kind of long in the tooth at this point. They really need... How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. An infusion of uh, some young talent, especially, you know, at quarterback. I, I like Palmer over the course of his career, but I, I think, uh, you know, the sunset's coming coming fast. So. Yeah, the time, the time has come. <laughs> yeah. We're better to be than in the desert for the sunset. Um, listen, uh, you know, we'll move on. We all, we all like the Rams in this game. Uh Another game involving an FC West team, looking for their first win, the 49ers. 0-6, taking on the Cowboys. Cowboys coming off a bye, but we don't know what's going on with Ezekiel Elliott. Right now, he's suspended for the next six games. We'll see if that changes over the course of the week. Cowboys favored by four and a half points. Um, and C.J. Beathard is going to be the quarterback here, it looks like, going forward for the Niners. We saw Hoyer get benched, uh, rightfully so. Hoyer has been, been bad for the 49ers, and so... Beathard comes in 19 of 36 or 245, a touchdown and a pick against the Redskins, really in a half. Uh, so, you know, the completion percentage is not great, but the rest of the numbers are pretty good. Um, the Niners really just don't have much in the way of offense. 
uh, it's been a struggle for them all year long. They had the one game they scored a ton against the Rams, and they, you know, they, they couldn't hold them. Uh, they actually scored 24 points after getting down 17 nothing against the Redskins. Looks like they might have won. They fall off. I think this is a tough game in a way for Dallas, though, because there's a lot going on with the team and Jerry Jones regarding the anthem. I know they're coming off a bye, but they're on the road in this game. The Niners have had a couple games now where they've come close to winning. And I think the Niners, with Beathard coming in, it's a little bit of a shot in the arm. You don't have a lot of tape on them with him. It's going to be interesting. I think Dallas will win simply because I think ultimately the talent just kind of wins out here. But I wouldn't be surprised if one of these games with Dallas is lining up for like a last-second field goal to win. I think the Niners are going to cover this spread. Um, and also, let it be said, this is in my Sack in the Box column, which, by the way, check it out on this fan side. Um, the last time the Niners were 0-6 was 1979. They had a rookie coach and a rookie quarterback that year too, Bill Walsh and Joe Montana. Uh, not saying that this is going to be a repeat, but if you're a Niners fan, you're thinking about never watching your team again, take heart in that. Maybe. So, but I do think I do think the Cowboys will find a way to get this win. Cowboys are going to find a way to get this win too, and I I agree with you that the 49ers are going to play it close because five of their six losses this year have been by three points or less, and that to me is it, it speaks more to Kyle Shanahan and that defense and what they've been able to do. A lot of people thought they were going to be a joke this year and come in and not win a ton of games, and so far they've won no games. But the spirit of the team is like a two and three ish team in that they're a lot better than they're playing. Um, I think that they are an zero and six team in that they're they're missing that one little piece, maybe offensively, to take them over the top. But I think the 49ers might be a team next year we're talking about in a way that we're more impressed than we thought we might be. Um, they're not going to go in and beat Dallas. I just think simply because that would take away from the Rams' win against Dallas. Because hmm. the Rams are a better team than San Francisco. Yes. And I think the Rams are a better team than Dallas. So if San Francisco goes in and somehow finds a way to beat Dallas, that maybe weakens that strength of the win to me. But uh, I, I agree with you that this is going to be very well could be another game where the 49ers are coming down to the wire. It's a three-point or less win, uh, loss for them. And coming out of it, then now we're going to start asking questions about Jason Garrett. We're going to start asking questions about the future of the Cowboys, what's happening there. Oh, my God, I can't believe you let the 49ers play us close. What's going on with Dak, the Zeke problems, everything going on with Jerry Jones. This is just a bad, slippery slope for the Cowboys. And those fans, they, they barely like the team when they're winning. So you know, it's like New York of the South with the media and everything. So I think we're going to be talking more about Dallas as we come out of this, and Shanahan's just going to be mixing another stiff drink after a, a close loss. Uh, Dallas, I think, is going to win this game. But I, I actually kind of feel bad for San Francisco. When you look at them, they really don't have the look of a team that hasn't won a game. I mean, they don't look like a playoff team by any stretch either. But um, they seem to play hard, like you mentioned, every single game, game in, game out. Um, Probably, again, like Josh mentioned, a couple players away from being a pretty respectable team. They have some bright spots on this team. And if you're a 49er fan, you're probably not as far away as you think if they can draft right and pick up you know, the needed maybe free agent here and there. But um, I think Dallas you know, prevails in this one. Yeah, you know, this would have been a great game in the 90s. Uh, unfortunately, we're not there anymore. And so this game doesn't have the cachet it once did. Uh, AFC North battle uh, as part of the 425 games. 
Cincinnati at Pittsburgh. This game a couple weeks ago looked awful. Now, all of a sudden, it's fairly interesting. Pittsburgh's a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, Cincinnati's coming off a bye in this game. Cincinnati, since firing Ken Zampezi and putting in Bill Lazor as offensive coordinator, all of a sudden, like, having an offense. Uh, the Bengals have looked like a completely different team last couple of weeks. And again, coming off of a rest, I think this is a really interesting game. These two teams always play each other tight. Uh, they'll play again later week 13 on a Monday night in Cincinnati. But this game, look, against the Packers, they put up 24 points. Against Cleveland, I know it's Cleveland, they put up 31. Against Buffalo, they put up 20 against a good defense and Dalton threw for 328 yards. I think this is a game that's going to be covered. I do think Pittsburgh wins at home. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Bengals won this game. The Bengals are a weird team, but they've been getting better as the year has gone on. I think they're looking ahead and saying, hey, we got the Colts at home the following week. If we beat Pittsburgh, we have a really good shot of getting a 4-3. and three. And you look down the stretch, their schedule is not hard. After Pittsburgh, home to the Colts, at Jacksonville, at Tennessee, and at Denver. It's a three-game swing on the road. It's not easy. But following that, they come home for three. Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Chicago. Cincinnati, in, in an AFC that is not great this year, if they get to nine wins, probably going to make the playoffs. Now, we know how it's going to end for Cincinnati because, well, let's face it, <laughs> we have a lot of evidence of that. I think Pittsburgh wins because I think Pittsburgh really got themselves right in Kansas City. But the Steelers are just such a hard team to figure because just when you think you know who they are, they go and lose 30-9 to Jacksonville, and then they turn around and beat the undefeated Chiefs in Arrowhead. So I'll take the Steelers, but I take the Bengals to cover it. I'm going to take the Steelers as well, only because I need them to prove to me this week that they are they've figured it out. Because I, looking at their schedule, I take away the Brown the win against the Browns because the Browns don't count. They've been win loss ever since that first week. They beat the Vikings and then they lose to the Bears. They beat the Ravens and then they lose to the Jaguars. They beat the Chiefs. Now they've got a tough divisional game against the Bengals, which they very well could lose. And you could see this peaks and valleys, this up and down. Mike Tomlin team, and they tend to do that. They, they tend to be this team that we can't really figure out. The offense is good. It should be a lot better than it is, but it's serviceable. The defense is great. They make stops, but they're also vulnerable. This, is, this seems to be the, the, the Steelers' way of life, and it, it also speaks to a larger uh, element of the unknown with some of these good teams, like the Seahawks kind of have the same problem. The Patriots kind of have the same problem, where... They always you never you never win the Super Bowl in October, and these teams know that they always peak at the right time. But now is the point in the season where they start to turn the corner, where the Patriots are like, okay, now we're getting it into gear. Are the Steelers going to do that? And what what a game, a divisional game to do it against the Bengals, who are like you said are coming out and could really really turn things around in a big way and make a push for the playoffs. Knocking off the Steelers is a heck of a way to say, hey, don't forget about us. They get uh, right back in the divisional race. I'm going Pittsburgh, but I agree with you. Cincinnati, watch out. I'm going with Pittsburgh, too. Uh, I was really impressed the way they played against the Chiefs yesterday. Um, They really, really took it to them. They match up well against them. They did a terrific job. Chiefs seemed to figure it out offensively later in the game, but it was too late by then. And I give Pittsburgh a lot of credit. I'm picking them mostly, again, uh, like the two of you, because they're at home. But I like Cincinnati. I like some of the things they do, especially on defense up front. And um, I I think, like most teams against Pittsburgh, that the key to me is what do they do with Bell? If they could contain Bell. um, I've always been a big Ben Roethlisberger fan. I always thought he was actually underrated. But 
I, in my mind, see a little bit of, of slippage in his game. And if they can contain the run, Cincinnati has a good chance to win the game. But I, with that being said, I'm still going to take the Steelers. Yeah, and the, and the Bengals, look, the, the rushing defense has been good. They've only given up 3.8 yards per attempt on the ground this year. But you look at the Bengals, and we'll wrap it up here with this. Or we'll wrap up this game with, with this anyway. The Bengals are a very odd team. Joe Mixon's leading the team with 187 rushing yards on 2.8 yards per carry and one touchdown. It's the only rushing touchdown they have all year long. They've rushed for 3.2 yards in attempt. It's brutal. John Ross is practicing on Monday, so it looks like he's – or they, they expect him to practice, I should say. So it looks like he's probably going to play finally after waiting and waiting and waiting. He doesn't have a catch this year after being the first-round pick, to what I believe the ninth overall pick. It's just with the Bengals, A.J. Green – has had a history of torching Pittsburgh. And he better because he has 504 yards this year already. The next highest total for the Bengals is 164 yards from Giovanni Bernard. And then something named Tyler Croft has 139 yards. Okay? If Green doesn't do it for them, they're in trouble. But, uh, Dad, you mentioned the front seven. Look, they have 18 sacks this year. They can get pressure. Geno Atkins, nobody ever talks about him. He is a tremendous great player. player. Mm-hmm. So I think the Bengals are going to play well. They're not intimidated by the Steelers. If there's any team in the league that can fight fire with fire in terms of aggressiveness, it's Cincinnati. So I do think Pittsburgh wins. But it, it's a kind of game where Roethlisberger goes out again and throws picks. And he only threw one in Kansas City. But anybody who watched that game, he could he frankly should have thrown at least one more. He could have thrown a couple more. So, interesting game in Pittsburgh. Something to watch. We'll kind of get a feel, I think, for those two teams moving forward. Staying in the AFC, Denver at Los Angeles taking on the Chargers. Chargers favored by one and a half. The Chargers coming off a last second win over Oakland on the road. Denver coming off of what could be argued is the worst loss of the year. Uh, The Giants basically played with the three of us starting at receiver and won the game. 23 to 10. And frankly, it wasn't even as close as the score in the cage. Uh, the Giants had a pick six in the game, but they controlled the game. They ran all over the Broncos, uh, something that, frankly, nobody else had done all year long. I'll just be blunt. I like the Chargers in this game. I'm not a big Chargers guy. I'm a big believer in, you know, you are what your record says you are, as Bill Parcells always used to uh, quote during his coaching days. I just – the Chargers always find ways to lose, but the last couple of weeks they found ways to win. And now, all of a sudden, they feel like they're back in the playoff race a little bit because they are. They're 2-4, and four, but they come home after a pair of road wins – and it looks like Emmanuel Sanders is not going to play in this game. And if he doesn't play in this game, it's a hobbling Demarius Thomas, and it's what? Because Trevor Simeon has been awful since that Dallas game. Everybody talked about, oh, it looks like he's turned the corner. He's turned the corner into oblivion. He is, he is throwing uh, at a, an alarming number of picks. He's already thrown six. He's been sacked 17 times this year. The Broncos have rushed for 4.2 yards of carry, which isn't bad, but it's not great. Uh, and, and when you look at them without Sanders, yeah, you have Thomas. But after that, it's Benny Fowler. It's A.J. Derby. It's Virgil Green. It's, it's, it's uh, not good. So I think the Chargers find a way. I, I think the Broncos here, they needed to beat the Giants at home. They've already played half of their home schedule and had a bye, and we're just out of week six. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with the Chargers in this one too. I picked them to win the first week of the season, and they should have if they, you know, they had a place kicker. But – and then think about how different this conversation is if the Chargers make that kick and find a way to win 
all of a sudden they're going for a season sweep of Denver. A team that a lot of people were like, oh yeah, they're going to challenge the Chiefs because, I don't know, people weren't paying attention last year or something. But to me, you said that uh, Emmanuel Sanders is going to be a big loss for them. I think that Menelik Watson is going to be the bigger loss because that's the Donald Stevenson show behind him. And as Chiefs fans, I think you guys know all about the Donald Stevenson show. And look, the Broncos... Everybody got all high about uh, Trevor Simeon earlier in the year because he was playing well, and we kind of gave him his credit, but he's coming crashing back down to earth now. And we saw one series of Brock Osweiler. <laughs> it was bad. Vance Joseph had such little confidence that he's like, you know what, just take a knee to go into the half. Rush up to the line, spike the ball, make it look like we're going to go. Just take a knee. We're going to go in. So this is not what I would say an attractive game. I don't think that people need to you know, gather the family around the television to watch this one. But I think this is going to be a game where we're going to find out what Denver is. Are they a team that is going to compete in the AFC? Or is it going to be a case where they're kind of regressing to where the Raiders are, where it's like, maybe we kind of oversold them a bit. That's, you know, that's why I've got Los Angeles. Well, this as a Chief fan is an interesting game to me. Um, as far as Denver's concerned, the thing that would concern me the most after watching last night's game is the way the Giants ran the ball on them. Was that just a one-time thing? Or, you know, did the Giants find something with them where you know, maybe San Diego can exploit that? They have a good running back. That, you know, I really enjoy watching him run. Gordon's a good runner. Um, the problem also with Denver that would bother me is they just can't score. They really don't have any firepower. Like Matt mentioned, if Sanders is out, I think they're extremely limited. They don't have a really good running game. Uh, Anderson, I think he's seen better days. as a Snack for good with Ohio-made, all-natural, super-tender Charkey Jerky Company beef jerky, now featuring Killian's Vintage with limited-edition packaging designed by 12-year-old Killian, avid golfer and patient champion, Nationwide Children's Hospital, now available at select Giant Eagle locations at the Memorial Tournament presented by Workday May 30th through June 4th and online at www.charkyjerky.com. Proceeds of Killian's Vintage benefit Nationwide Children's Hospital and kids like Killian. Chief fan, I love Jamal Charles. He's just not going to even get the amount of carries to probably do enough damage for them to do anything offensively in this game. So, um... Normally, I would pick Denver, but I think San Diego um, has enough firepower, if nothing else, to outscore them. I just don't think Denver's could score enough points. No, we'll wrap up with, with this game on, on this note. Look, Simeon, since beating Dallas, has, against the Bills, was 24-40 for 259 yards and two picks. Against the Raiders, who have no defense, 16-26 for a buck 79 and a touchdown. And then yesterday, he threw for 376 yards, but he did it on 50 attempts. Uh, complete 29 of those with a touchdown and two picks, including a pick six. Uh, he's just simply, frankly, he's a backup quarterback. He's a backup quarterback. The problem for the Broncos is Paxton Lynch is hurt, and he's looked terrible even even when he's been on the field. And Brock Osweiler, we'll move on. Um, we've, we've all seen that. Okay, so we'll wrap up here. We'll go quickly uh, to get to really what I think is the best game of the weekend. But first, Seattle at the Giants. Seattle's favored by six, coming off a bye. Got to go cross-country. Uh, I know the Giants won the game against Dallas, or excuse me, against Denver, and I and I think you give the Giants a lot of credit because they have nobody for that game. I do not think they're scoring against Seattle. I don't care that it's on the road. 
Seattle's a, a team that, that knows it's got to keep winning because the Rams are pushing them a little bit. Uh, Seattle's played well in that building before the year they won the Super Bowl there. They shut the Giants out in that game. Uh, I, I frankly, look, I, I don't think the Giants can win this game. I don't think the Giants are going to score more than 10 points in this game. And while Seattle's offense, I think, is going to struggle because the Giants are probably going to sack Wilson about nine times in this game. I think Seattle does enough to win. And, and you know, I'll take the Giants actually to cover it. But I, I, think, the, I think Seattle wins. I think the Giants backdoor cover. You want to talk about Russell Wilson getting sacked. You better light a candle for Eli Manning before this game. That <laughs> offensive line against the Seahawks front, whoa, watch out. And, you know, like you said, they don't have anybody. He doesn't have anybody to throw to. So even if they do protect him, what is he going to do? There's nothing for him to do. Uh, like your dad said, the running game, maybe they can get something going there. But I would attribute the success of that on Sunday night to more or less the Denver defense not knowing what they're doing. Um, I, I got Seattle on this game. There's not really much more to say about it other than that. And, you know, this might be the end of Eli Manning. They might, they might break him on national television. Well, I, I, I will take Seattle as well. But I will say one thing about the Giants. They can play defense. I don't think they've played as well as, as they, they can this year. There have been some games where they've been shaky. But um, from the front seven uh, to the secondary, I think they're, they're pretty good. And I thought they played very well yesterday. And the one thing that actually did surprise me with the Giants yesterday, especially the fact that they're missing all their receivers, is for the most part, they protected pretty well yesterday. Manning actually had time a lot of that game to, to, to get the ball out to the tight end, move the ball down the field, and that shocked me because – and then Von Miller, I know he got, I think, one sack last night, if I'm yes, not mistaken. Yeah, but for the most uh, part, uh, you know, the tackles played really well and, and kept them pretty clean during the game. So um, if they're, if they're going to have any chance of winning, they're going to have to do that. But I, I agree, I like Seattle in that game. Yeah, listen, you know what? Seattle knows it has to keep winning. I think maybe this would be a little bit of a trap game if it wasn't off a bye, if the Rams weren't playing well, but tough spot for the Giants. Uh, now, Sunday night game, I think it's the best game of the week. or certainly the most interesting game of the week. Atlanta at New England, rematch, of course, of Super Bowl 51. I'm sure New England's going to you know, have 28-3 to written on every single building and on the scoreboard and everything else. Uh, as they did on opening night when they got ear-holed. Look, New England's favored by a field goal here, so Vegas is telling you they feel the game is is even. Um, I don't know what to make of, and again, it's probably the third time I've said this, I don't know what to make of either of these teams. Atlanta's 3-2. They could easily be 1-4. They've played awful football outside of the one game where they really took a two-green bay in week two in their home opener. the, the Falcons just simply don't look like the same team. Now, I, you know, you're going to get a lot of this. Well, you know, they weren't going to be able to keep up with the last year. They were so prolific. They had the best offense in the league. Well, they lose Kyle Shanahan. They bring in Steve Sarkeesian. Matt Ryan has six touchdowns and six picks. And Devonta Freeman's had a good year. He's got, you know, 4.5 yards in attempt, but he's only had 79 carries. He's only got 353 yards. He does have five touchdowns. So he's played well there. Julio Jones doesn't have a touchdown yet. Mohamed Sanu, he's been banged up at 163 yards. And defensively, they have 12 sacks, which isn't terrible, but it's certainly not what you were hoping for. Vic Beasley, though, to be fair, has been, has been hurt. Um, on the flip side of the game, uh, Andrew Siciliano of NFL Network had a tweet that I want to cite here. He mentioned that the Pats are the first team in NFL history to give up a 300-yard passing game in each of their first six games of the year. And when you think about who they've played, they have not exactly played like a 
a barn burner collection of quarterbacks. Okay, they played. They did play James Winston, who we know can throw the ball. They played Alex Smith. They've played Deshaun Watson uh, in his first road start ever. They played Cam Newton. They they played uh, Josh McCown. So not exactly like you know, not like they've been going up against you know the elites and, and any future Hall of Famers. I don't know what part of me says the Falcons are going to have so much motivation to win this game, and I think the offense could put up 500 yards. The other part of me says New England's at home. It's a primetime game. Hasn't meant much that they've been at home so far. They've already lost twice, including a primetime game. But maybe I'm crazy. I'm going to take the Falcons in the game. I I just think the Falcons are going to score 40 points. I don't think New England could stop them. And to be fair to Atlanta, I do think defensively, the Falcons have some playmakers. My only concern is just what is going on with the Falcons? Is it a mental thing? Like they, they can't finish games. But I just I cannot pick New England's defense against anybody with an offense. They're so bad. And even though they won yesterday, Brady did not look great against the Jets. He threw a lot of balls that could have been picked. One was picked. So give me Atlanta on the road in a game that I don't feel great about. But I think Atlanta's... At this point, they're the more talented team. Yeah, in years past, I would have said, oh, this is going to be the Patriots because they're at home. But Deshaun Watson went up to Foxborough and almost beat them. And that would have been, I think, like the first time a rookie quarterback has beaten the Patriots ever. And like, you know, in the Bill Belichick, Tom Brady era, going back like, you'd have to go back more than 10 years, I think. Uh, I agree with you in that the Falcons want this game. They're you know they're sick of the uh, twenty-eight and three jokes and all this kind of stuff. And aside from that, they're, they they need to win. They need to come back from a loss against the Dolphins, which shouldn't have happened. They need to get the offense going. And in a way that I was excited when the Bucks played the Patriots, I thought that they were going to score a lot of points. They just couldn't get it done. I think maybe Atlanta's a more seasoned team and can get it done, even though it is on the road. Uh, to me, I'm going with Atlanta in this game. I think that they're going to find a way to figure it out. Uh, one thing that we should look for is Vic Beasley. Mm-hmm. If he can come back and he can get some pass rush going, that's going to be bad news for the Patriots. He was kind of limited against the Dolphins. I was hoping that he would do a little bit more, but his absence has been felt. And if he can come back and have kind of like a coming out game, that's going to be big for the Falcons in the long run. And I think maybe it's not going to open things up on the offense, but it's going to make the defense clamp down a little bit harder. And maybe then they don't lose to the Dolphins or they don't lose to the Bills, and that changes things a little bit. As for the Patriots, I mean, I, I had both of the teams as teams that uh, deserve to be in witness protection after the, what they did this weekend. And it's a matter of who is going to emerge. Um, I think this is the end of beginning of the end of the era for the Patriots. We've said it before, but everything we've seen this year – it seems to suggest that this is it. Either they come out and prove that on Sunday, or oh man, is the you know Stephen A. The Stephen A. Smiths of the world. They're going to have fun on that following Monday. Don't still talk to me about it. <laughs> well, the Patriots clearly are not the team that we've seen in the past. Um, the loss of Edelman early in the season, I think, has really changed the way they play offense. Their defense isn't even close to what it has been in the past. But with that being said, and as, as, as a Chief fan, to be honest, I'd love nothing better than to see the Falcons go in there and, and lay 50 on them. But I just watched the Falcons lose at home to the Dolphins after being up by 17 points. And that, I like the Falcons. I really like their team, and I think they have a lot of talent. But this year, every game, it's like a high wire act with them, even when they win. 
And the Patriots are at home. And even though I don't really think they're going to be able to totally straighten out that defense, Bill Belichick eventually will find a way to make them a little bit better. And I think they find a way in this game to actually win this game at home. They certainly could. They, they absolutely could. I don't feel great about going with the Falcons. Uh, I'll say this. Julio Jones this year, 367 yards and no touchdowns. At some point, at some point, that's changing. Stephon Gilmore, he's got to get cleared to come back from a concussion. They suffered throughout the week. If he doesn't play, and even if he does, what is the over-under on Jones in this game? 250 yards? I, I, they can't cover anybody. I, you know, so, listen, you know, we'll see. It's a great game. It's going to be really interesting. Whoever wins is going to feel a lot better about where they are. And whoever loses is going to start saying, you know, what, what's going on here? Yeah. You know, what, can, we, can we get it right? So, wrap up here. Monday night game. It's actually a really good game. The Redskins are at the Eagles. Uh, Eagles four and a half point favorites in the game. Of course, these two teams saw each other week one in D.C. Eagles are able to win that game. Uh, I'll make it quick because I know we've been running here for a while. I'm picking the Eagles. They're at home. They're coming off that long week. They go from playing a previous Thursday all the way to the following Monday. Um, so I think those lingering injuries they've had, the guys like Fletcher Cox, they should be able to get those squared away. Eagles look really good right now. And I, I'll be honest, I missed on them in the preseason. I thought they'd be a seven or eight win team. The Eagles might be the best team in the NFC. The Eagles are a really good team. The only loss they have is Kansas City. And I think right now those are the two best teams in football. Uh, even even with the Chiefs loss, I, I'd still put them up there. So, listen, I think the Redskins are good. The Redskins could, could win this game. But right now, I'm taking Philadelphia. I, I don't see any reason to think that Philly's going to slow down, especially with that long rest going into this game. Yeah, your guy Doug Peterson making it happen in uh, Philadelphia. Uh, Dougie. The Chiefs loss was only seven seven points, and I believe that was the first instance this season where you were screaming at the television in the office. So the the, the Eagles get a win for their for that too. Um, I'm going with Philadelphia here. I think that Washington's all right, but they're not great, and Philadelphia can smell six and one, and they can smell getting up there on the division. They can smell putting everybody else away because Dallas is confusing. The Giants aren't doing anything, and this is Washington's really their only competition. And this is going to be, they'll have two wins. They'll have the clean season sweep of Washington. So if anything happens, they'll at least have that tiebreaker. Philadelphia, like you said, we missed on them in the preseason. And I'm thoroughly impressed. I don't want to say that Carson Wentz is an elite quarterback. I still think he's like a third-tier quarterback. But he's on, he's on the rise a lot faster and a lot more in a more developed sense than I thought he would be this far in his career. Neither one of these teams was on my radar at all early on in the season, and the Chiefs played both of them. And I have to say, I was really impressed with both teams. Uh, Washington, I think, on both the offensive and defensive line is really strong. Uh, but I agree. I think overall, Philly's impressed me the most of any team the Chiefs have played this year, including Pittsburgh. And I give Pittsburgh a lot of credit for their win yesterday. But I think both sides of the ball, Philly's Philly's really playing well, and they really have some good players. If, if you're an Eagles fan, you have a lot to, you know, be happy about. We're a long way out. Boy, what a Super Bowl that would be. Andy Reid against the Eagles. That would be that would be one hell of a – and, of course, that game would be, with all due respect to your home state, in Minneapolis, which right. is freezing. And that's just like you got the big walrus and Peterson's coaching against the Chiefs. That would – I mean, hey, it's a Chief fan. I, I signed for it. Not because I don't think Philly's really good, but just because I'd like to see a Super Bowl. Um, could, you hey. imagine, could you imagine how Sal, uh, Pal Antonio would feel about that? Just getting shoved out of the way. <laughs> trying to get his first interview with Andy Reid. He just goes and gets him. That would be incredible. <laughs> you have some characters on both those teams. Too. That would be an incredible couple of weeks leading up. But hey, 
We're a long way away from that, but we'll be here each and every week with you. I'd like to thank my dad, who's uh, in Chicago this week, yeah. helping me uh, parent my, my young daughter, Maisie, who has been great, but also uh, squawks like a parrot. So, <laughs> in any event, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, we will be back, as always, next Monday to talk about what happened in Week 7. Hopefully, if you're listening on Monday, you enjoy the Monday night game with the Titans and Colts. Good luck with that. Uh, and if you haven't already, please subscribe on iTunes to the podcast, Stack in the Box. Really appreciate it. Uh, really, all of your feedback's been wonderful. And, and so we look to continue to just get better and better each week. Um, and, hey, give it a rating. Give it a comment unless you think it sucks. And don't, don't be a jerk. Uh, so for Josh Hill and for my old man, I am Matt Verderam. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you again next week.